0: One Thousand Better Stories stories. You're listening to One Thousand Better Stories the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network's podcast sharing stories of community-led climate action in Scotland to help us all imagine the better and fairer future and transform what we think is possible Welcome to our Everyday Changemakers series. We blethers with everyday people taking climate action in their communities. Hello, it's Gashka, your story weaver. Today, we have a third installment of Everyday Changemakers stories from my Inverness visit during SCAN's Northern Gathering last September. Last week, we left Louise Marshall at Eden Court, on the banks of the River Ness when I cycled to my hotel on the eastern outskirts of the city on Friday evening. After the excitement of the Saturday's gathering at the super slick Merkinch Community Centre, I was heading out on the Sunday morning to meet the last three of the local changemakers. This time I was cycling south. The morning was promising There was little wind and cloud, traffic was sparse, which made for a smooth ride along, thankfully, almost flat road leading into the suburbs. I momentarily got distracted by an incredible edible Inverness growing space in front of a GP practice, a twin to the one at the Eden Court. But soon I was turning into Drummond Road, keeping my eyes peeled for the sign to the Alt-Naskiak dell. After nearly cycling past the entrance, I stopped to park my bike against a wooden fence when I spotted Mike, the trust chair and my host, coming down the road. We're going to
1: have to move away from I the was road, just going so to say so, yeah. that. Uh, and I was just <laughs> thinking that. Yes. We were
0: later joined by another group member, Gina, who bravely volunteered for the Changemaker interview. But first, Mike guided me away from the road and into their secret urban green space. So can you describe what we're seeing here?
1: Well, we have a burn on our left, which has got a fair bit of water in it at the moment because we've had quite a lot of rain. Uh, we've got a lot of vegetation. It's been a very, very uh, good year for, for growth. Mm. There's been both warmth and moisture. But you can also see on your left there, an example of a dead elm tree and that's been one of the biggest problems we've had in here dutch elm disease there, there's that another one uh, up there to you, right all right yes and as you saw here's another one mm. and when we came in there's a big big stump and that's another example the danger is they get brittle and branches can fall so we usually just take the tops off like that Mm. to get rid of the danger. It's expensive expensive. (laughs) and it's unfortunate because 25% of all the trees here were elms.
0: Oh dear.
1: But you get lots of dead wood, which is good for biodiversity. It's true, it's good (laughs) for biodiversity and we leave quite a lot of the dead wood but also we have to pay our way. So we cut the wood up and we sell it. It's Mm. firewood. Good, (laughs) good, good, good. Right, this is Gina.
0: Oh, hi
2: Gina. Hi. Casca, oh, this to is to
1: meet Casca. Nice to meet you. Yes. Gina has been involved almost from the beginning of this.
2: Yes, yes. Okay. So I was chair for nine or ten years and then Mike oh, took right. over the chair okay. from me. I'm Gina O'Brien. Our organisation is the Altmaskiak del Skio. I'm former chair for nine years and I'm currently a trustee of the organization. Um, I live just close by to this wood that we're standing in. What's a SCIO? It's a a Scottish charity incorporated organization and it's our legal entity and uh, we adopted that form quite early on in our organisation's history. The advantage of it means that we have access to funding And uh, we've had support from a great many organisations, including Highland Council, the Forestry Commission, uh, many other bodies, Highlands and Islands Enterprise, have contributed financially to our charity.
0: Tell me about a favourite place for you in Nadell. We're standing in Nadell right now.
2: I would say my favourite place is the camp. I call it it's not an official name (laughs) but it's uh, a place at the end of the wood and it's very peaceful down there and it feels very far away from the urban environment and why i like it especially is that one of the aims of our project is to help with the education of the children of the future and for four or five years we had children coming regularly here and this was the place that they went to to listen to stories. Oh, that's amazing! And it's, um, it is quite an urban setting, isn't it? It is extraordinary. Uh, many people don't really know it's here and the fact that we're in the middle of the big bustling Inverness and yet here there's a place of great peace and tranquillity people can come here to reflect we have huge numbers of birds and animals here many of whom people don't necessarily see um, when they're coming through the wood but when you walk the wood daily you know that there's all this wildlife here so it becomes a very interesting and amazing place to walk.
1: While Gina was saying that there was a buzzard (laughs) on on that tree and it It was there for a couple of seconds and then it flew off into the woods. Um, What's your personal journey
0: into
2: this community work and and, and this space? There have been many breakthrough moments, but the journey for me began uh, not through any great conservation thought, though that had always been there, maybe in my background, maybe subconsciously but it came through um, a personal friend, family connection and the lady who owned this wood, my husband was very friendly with her son and there was a time in 2010 that she felt perhaps it would be better if it wasn't uh, owned privately but was owned in community and she came to ask for help So it was a personal response. Um, But in terms of um, climate change and how things have changed over the years, because we've been on this for 13 years now, um, climate change is very uh, at the front of my consciousness. And I feel that the value of this project is that it should multiply biodiversity And that is very strongly in my mind all the time. And um, we've had recent talks with people who are very knowledgeable, and they say that because it's a dell in a fairly temperate area, that it should be all right long into the future. But we, we definitely do things to help with climate change and the main thing that we do is try to make it more diverse by planting numerous species of trees in place of the Dutch elm trees that have come down um, necessarily
0: Um, Before you got involved in in this project what was your connection to nature and but just personally, where did it all come from?
2: I've always felt connected to nature. I came to the Highlands in 1980. It was an active choice to come here. We came from urban Manchester and I had a great love of the hills and have walked many of them since then. I feel much more alive in nature. I I have always felt a deep connection with nature. Yeah, so there was the seeds there. When I say community
0: land ownership, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
2: I think the first thing is how much, with the problems of climate change, we all really need this connection with land. And there's also something about social equity in there, that the land belongs with the people. And historically, and I'm going back, hundreds of years, there would have been this sense of the land belonging to the people. And I think this is fundamentally very important and um, I think unless we're connected with the land, it's very hard for us to connect with climate change because climate change is about the earth and the air and the soil and the water. So I, I think there are connections in all of this. Yes. Yes.
0: What's the most valuable lesson you think you've learnt from being involved in this project that you could share with other people that might be wanting to do something
2: similar? Well, you might be interested here that it took us a very, very long time as a committee to take on the ownership of this land. And we had a great deal of numbers of doubts. And we sat with those doubts until around 2018. So for about eight years really so we only rented the land first of all and we rented it from Aethney Barron, the owner um, for a pound a year and then there came a point where um, Aethney really needed us to make a Decision, And she said she wasn't prepared to rent us the land anymore, unless we decided to take it on. So at that point, we really needed to come to a a consensus. And I think the thing I've most learned is not to worry too much. (laughs) Because a lot of the things that we were very worried about have not come to pass. They were in our imagination. And actually, we all jumped together. And I'm glad to say when we made the decision, it was completely uh, consent from everybody. And we all jumped together. So I think the main lesson I've learned is what extraordinary things you can achieve when you all hold hands and jump together. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think uh, that meant to you um,
0: personally once you jumped? Um, yes. And you've been with it for, for
2: such a long time. What's What's the... Benefit to yourself personally. I think there's been huge benefit. I think there's benefit in personal growth when you take a, a risk and it's outside your comfort zone. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mike is uh, giggling in
2: the <laughs> And so there's there has to be a degree of trust here, and there had to be trust. Between us all, we've needed to work very cooperatively, collaboratively, and that hasn't always been easy. I mean, I would say largely we've been very amicable, but that isn't always easy because quite often there are different viewpoints. Exactly, you get different
1: people. There's there's about nine people at the Mm. moment, nine trustees on the committee, and initially there were very great diversities in their conception about risk-taking. And some of them felt that they couldn't take the risk of having a huge amount of uh, money to pay to take down elm trees or whatever it was without having a lot of money in the bank to back us up. Some of the others felt, well, we'll just get on with it and it'll be okay. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and there was a compromise and a waiting period, and then you yes, jumped together, exactly. which was great. <laughs> a
2: range of different skills uh, that's been yeah. particularly valuable yes. on our committee, is the range of skills. So you asked me what I've learnt personally. I think my biggest learning is it isn't all up to me, and the help will be there and will be available and that different people will bring in different Mm. strengths and Mm -hmm. how astonishing are the things that you can achieve together instead of on your own. Mm. Yeah, We learned quite a lot
0: um, by doing this. Mm -hmm. What's the most valuable resource you might recommend to a group that would be embarking on a similar project of buying out land or
2: taking over a piece of land and taking care of it? Well we've drawn a lot from the Community Woodlands Association so we are members of this organisation and they've given us a great deal of support Mm. and whether that's through courses to get people trained in chainsaws or whether it's um, advice because we have a big wood fuel project going on uh, advice about how to manage that, advice in planting um, they've constantly been there, getting our backs, really. Mm-hmm. So to have, have that has, has been enormously helpful. Um, but there are many, many other resources out there, aren't there, that we yes, have drawn are. on? Um, I don't know if you can think of any others. Well, from
1: the work. Forestry Commission mm-hmm. to an organisation called Paths for All mm-hmm. to yes. help with paths. Yeah. Many, Inverness many College. Inverness um, College of Forestry. Yes. And
2: oh. yes. oh, that's very handy, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Scottish mm. Charities Voluntary Organization. Mm. Yes. There are many, many bodies out there offering support to an organization yes, like well.
1: Really to in answer to your question, the you've got to have an aim. You've got to decide what you want to do and then you get together and decide how you're going to do it. And then things follow from that.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um Just along with that, though, it's always been important to us to, um, in our meetings, have minutes, but also to have a a long-term forestry management plan that we've Mm. all signed up to, and our most recent one was probably, I think, our best, and we took a long quite a long time to both to consult with everybody in the wider community but also amongst ourselves and we've set it now for five years and um i think i think um having structure within Mm -hmm. the organization Mm -hmm. and focus has helped us considerably too
0: and now more personal question what's your favorite tree oh
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, probably the rowan, and Mm -hmm. and I have just planted one in my own garden. (laughs) And I love the red berries in autumn, and it's white flowers in May, and I think there's just something about its vivid beauty, and also it's meant to be a tree of protection and healing. You know, you're involved in community action in some way. What's the biggest challenge
0: of being in Inverness um, and in the Highlands to doing this
2: work? I would say it's the ongoing unawareness of people of the importance of nature and we've had an ongoing um, need to clear up litter or um, bottles or um, it's for people living in the urban environment who haven't had the same... Uh, I've been very fortunate in my life, but who haven't actually had the same opportunities to learn the same respect for nature. So that we had a bit of vandalism here um, Mm -hmm. last month and we'd put up a community sign and somebody came and chopped it down. So that's the sort of um, wider environmental Lack of awareness that does still, sadly, exist in our country, and I would say that that probably is our, our biggest challenge: is people who don't really understand mm. what we're trying to do. Yes.
0: And what's the advantage of being in Venice
2: and in the Highlands with the work you do? Well, it has to be our bigger, wider environment. I mean, we live in a fantastic part of the the country and there are all sorts of projects both going on in Inverness and in the wider environment. And the Scottish Parliament is very um, proactive now for community land ownership. So we're living in a culture that is really supporting us. So both within the Highlands, but also within Scotland, we're at a very fortunate time in history
0: this is a question I ask everybody and it's about taking a bit of time travel into the future yes. 10 years from now yes. and trying to imagine this place or in Venice or wherever you want to think about think of a scenario where everybody's done everything possible to minimise the climate emergency and all the other mm-hmm. emergencies we're actually experiencing and share just one memory from
2: that future with us well It's not really hard for me. I see it alive with life (laughs) and that means life in all its forms, whether it's the insects, whether it's the birds, whether it's the animals and especially the children. Um, I like to see that the children are coming and um, it's full of children playing and exploring and Feeling that connection that's always been so important to me in nature, because they're our future. Mm. So that's
0: the last question. But I always ask if you'd like to add anything for um, our listeners, a final
2: comment that you want to share. Um, if you're afraid of something, but your heart is telling you to do it, just go ahead and do it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Mike?
1: Yes, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that.
2: Yes. Brilliant you so
0: much. Thank okay. you very much. Yes. Double act. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I found this tiny and precious urban dell along with Gina and Mike after exploring a member's map of Community Woodlands Association, one of the SCAN's many sister community networks. Listening back to this conversation reminded me of another very special community woodland which happens to be located just outside of Inverness on the banks of Loch Ness. A Forest made history as one of the first community land buyouts in Scotland in 1998, and it remains one of the largest community-owned woodlands. Its story has been covered many times, but one of the most recent and immersively poetic pieces is the audio story about Mary McFadden, featuring community voices. Together with her essay on the unique complexities of highlands, land ownership, trees and forests, it was a part of a fragile correspondence exhibit at Venice Biennale last year. For a behind-the-scenes look, you can also find Mary's scan audio skillshare presentation on our YouTube channel. It turns out that both the tiny urban Atlassia and the expansive rural Abriachan Forest have had case studies written about them which some of you might find useful. As usual, i popped the links to all of these resources in the show notes for you. After taking a minute to enjoy the quiet burbling of the burn and the changing colour of the leaves, I was ready for my ride southwards, heading downhill back towards the Ness. My next stop was the brand new homegrown community garden in the new suburb of Holm. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like and share it with others. It'll really help us reach a wider audience. If something exciting is happening in your own community, be sure to let us know so that we can help you tell your own story. You can drop our Story Weavers a line at stories at scan.scot. It's scan, S-C-C-A-N, dot Scott, S-C-O-T. We also offer training and mini-grant support to community storytellers. To keep up to date with our offerings and everything SCAN, check out our website at scan.scot or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or simply sign up to the newsletter.